Hey guys, welcome back. This is Quartzite Heat, QuartzSideHeat.com. We're back with another podcast episode. And it's a busier one today. Breaking news are coming left or right. And our last podcast episode only had one breaking news. But I can assure you guys today, we have more than one, two, and three pieces of breaking news. Plus, we're going to be continuing our off-season series on what the off-season Toss about these two teams. These two teams are very exciting in positive and negative light of what we're going to be talking about. But yeah, we're going to be talking about everything from the Curry divorce to Cam Reddish being traded or potentially being traded to Mike Boonholzer and the Bucks to. Uh, Patrick Beverly being arrested and everything else. It's been a crazy, crazy past two days. And we're just getting caught up on all this news. So before jumping into the podcast today, we always know the drill. You guys know the drill. Whether you're new or reoccurring, you guys been uh, the original members of this podcast channel. We appreciate you guys all, and as always, as you guys know, we start out with social media. Best way to connect with us, best way to find us, and just the best way to stay up to date on all NBA things related. So, number one, here are the top social medias um, that you guys can go to, able to check us out, and pretty much everyone's on here. And that will be twitter.com slash courtsideheat. Instagram.com slash courtside he NBA Tumblr.com slash courtside he Facebook.com slash courtside he and for our medium users we have courtside heat.medium.com and for the people that like our website like going there that's really mobile friendly for mobile and desktop of course go to courtside heat.com that is courtsideheat.com. Of course, go to courtsideheat.com slash shop. That'll take you to our made shop as we're always putting new inventory on there. But already, you can see our hundreds of items that are already pre-existing on there that people are absolutely buying up and just loving. Also, if you like to go for Macari, type this in on Macari. Uh, one word or three separate words, however you like to do it. But just go to courtsideheat.store and that is where you are able to see everything, have more discounts, have more opportunities to buy more and save more. So that's also a huge thing to look out for as we're constantly adding new things, realistic things, and yeah, just doing it that way. So without further ado, you guys know where to go. The link's down below on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You know where the links will be for our exclusive membership, for our interview, for all these different things. So, without further ado, let's jump right into this podcast episode. And what better way to start off than Patch Beverly? We posted this on our IG. We post this on um, social media, on our Instagram, and it's shocking because I wasn't expecting it. Because you remember when a man 
that was supposedly called Patrick Beverly punched on uh, punched in our man in the face. It was like a five second video. It was like a hit and run. I didn't know what to make of it. You everyone said it was Patrick Beverly and like a former teammate. Well, get this: after being traded, Patrick Beverly was arrested for punching a man in the face and then fighting a bear on IG Live. So he went on Instagram Live, fought a bear, and punched a man in the face. Is this what Patrick Bell is doing in his free time? Punching a man in the face and fighting a bear? He, Pat Bev over here is shaking up from these trades. But I, I, I don't find it, I, I, I don't know how I should react, but I find it funny, but also shocking. Because like... Who in the world, after getting traded, and I get it was in a three-day span, goes out there, fights bears, legit bears. There's video evidence of that. I watched them do it when, when the word quorum posted. It was this like, massive thing on Instagram and all these different social media platforms. I'm like, he's fighting a legit bear, and he's holding a camera while doing it. And when he punches a guy in the face, I'm like, well... He's obviously um, spending off-season quite interestingly. I don't know where you guys ever had a friend or somebody that you knew briefly or long-term that was like, Oh, um, I for my uh, break from work, I'm going on vacation. I'm taking some days off of work. I'm just going to beat some bears up and beat some men up. Does that make any sense? I don't know. It, it made me laugh a little bit because it's like, huh, what what's happening? What was his thought process? What was he thinking about that time when he just did a hit and run on a guy and was fighting a legit bear? But I just thought that was funny, but also like, whoa, before we say Patrick Beverly, are we sure it's Patrick Beverly? And from what everyone's saying, when I'm looking at the video harder, it really, really does look like Patrick Beverly. So that's how I started off my Tuesday morning, was seeing Instagram Live videos of Patrick Beverly fighting a bear. To be honest, I, I didn't know that we can any stranger than that. I didn't even know that Patrick Beverly was doing that. Now, if he did that before, did he ever do that before? Like, maybe it wasn't even recorded. Does he do that for fun or something? To the point where he just makes that off-season routine. Or maybe he was just really frustrated about the trades and um decides to take it on a man's face and the bear's body. I get the man. I get that you're a professional athlete. But, um, no. Never go up against the bear. Has anybody ever seen those videos of a Russian bear? No, no. Russian bears are dangerous. Have you ever seen them get on their hind legs and just start fighting and just start throwing actual punches? I would be scared to death if I had to fight that thing or come in a hundred yard radius of that. Or even just watching that video, it's like, huh, uh, um, our bears can't do that. But I just thought that was really cool. But also really terrifying. Maybe it's just me, but... I would never want to give close to a bear because bears are huge in size and height. So to me, I like to give the bear uh, its space. Now, unless it's smoking the bear, that's a different conversation. But I'm good. I'm going to leave that bear over there. That bear 
should not be provoked. But Patrick Bev goes over, and the video start. Like, the video starts with him just interacting with this bear, like getting close distance. And I can't remember if they were saying anything to the bear. I don't remember. All I know, he just got up to the bear and started trying to have an altercation with it. Now, my say, the bear will always win unless you are like the mountain. No, the bear's always going to win. But even then, bears are just huge and predatorial. They like protecting things. And they like having their environment intact when they're around it. Like, has anybody ever saw, like, those bear videos? Like, those wildlife documentaries featuring bears and their cubs? Like, has anybody else ever saw this before? I saw a few. I saw a few while I was went at a doctor's office. And so let me tell you. You don't want to mess with bears. That's why I'm like afraid to death to go camping because of bears. And that may be really sad for me to say, but I'm just going to say it. Men are allowed to be afraid of bears. They're legit a bear. It's not like Yogi the bear. Like, he's a cool bear. It's not like uh, Smokey the bear. He's a cool bear. No, I'm talking about these fighting bears that will go to death. Just to win a fight. Or if they feel they got provoked, it's all over. Especially, yeah, it's just crazy. So I, I don't know how I stumbled across this, but I'm just going on social media. I'm like, is that Patrick Beverly fighting a bear? Or is that Patrick Beverly punching a man in the face? <laughs> so I just thought it was funny. And he was arrested for this. The bear... Maybe the guy getting punched in the face. Yes, I love how the guy holding the camera was not even doing anything. It's just like so fast. But yeah, here's a way to start your Wednesday morning. Um, you can start off by listening to the first nine minutes of our podcast and really understanding the um, I guess intent of him punching a man and getting in a brawl of a bear. Metaphorically speaking, figuratively, figuratively speaking, right? Because if he got brought on the bear, there would be no video posted of that unless a man just ran for his life. But unless there's a report saying no, he's arrested right now for punching a man and uh, getting in a fight with a bear. <laughs> um, Patrick Beverly is a very wild one. He likes to live life risky. Well, um,. There he goes. He's going to be spending time with the Timberwolves, wherever his next location is, uh, being risky and being able to tell everyone that he's fought a bear and punched a man in the face in, in a hit-and-run situation. Okay. There's your Wednesday uh, positivity, Wednesday motivation. Fight a bear. <laughs> I just don't know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out what to go to next. I have this entire list. Right? I have a entire list of what to talk about. Each bullet point. So I take it from there. But I talk I talk about a story like that. Where do I go to next? I just said a human being, a mortal man, just try just try to fight a bear and punch the man in the face and got arrested. Like, where do I go from there? Like, where do I go from there? Like, what transitions can I make to actually go somewhere else? I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, 
Okay, uh, let's try this head on now. Um, okay. <laughs> so some more news are, is breaking. Is that Nurse Noel is filing a lawsuit against Rich Paul um, Clutch Sports for losing out on huge money during the 2017 offseason. And if no one remembers the 27 offseason, uh, let me go to it right now. But remember 2017 where he turned down a $53 million contract from the Mavericks? Everybody was like in pure shock because he's never been able to make that money again. He's been getting those minimum contracts, those like $10 million contracts. His highest contract now is just $27 million, which is insane. But here's a little more background on that. I'm sorry. Um, so, Norrisville filed a lawsuit against Rich Paul and Clutch Sports because he claims he lost $58 million in potential salary while he was represented by Rich Paul from 2017 to 2020. So, what happened was, is the reason why this little scuffle, not physically, but during the legal actions, is happening is because Clutch Sports recently filed a grievance report with the National Basketball Basketball Players Association or the NBPA uh, claiming that Nurse Noel hadn't paid $200,000 in commission on his previous one-year contract with the New York Knicks. However, um, Noel claims that there was a breach of, of contract and negligence. So basically... Um, Happy Walters at the start of the free agency in 2017 was representing Nurse Noel. And, um, how to go here. So, during the free agency process, Noel fired Walters, that's what he claims, and hired Paul after they met Ben Simmons' birthday party down in Los Angeles. Uh, and this is what Noel claims, of course. We don't, this is a one side story. This is what I'm reading on Nurwin's Noel's side. That Paul, Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, advised him to pass on the $70 million offer to accept the qualifying offer and become an, an unrestricted free agent the next summer. So, that following season, Noel broke his thumb and missed 42 games as his numbers dropped. So, Noel didn't resign with Dallas and played the next two seasons with the OKC Thunder, making the league minimum $3.7 million combined as a backup. So, basically, basically, they got rid of that. So for all four of his contracts, then with the next, Paul was with him for all four of the contracts, and then with the one with the twenty-seven million dollars with the extension by the next, a three-year deal that was negotiated by his agent George Landberg. So basically, I read from you from basketball.realgm.com and from other sources is that um, he believes that he got messed up on money. That Rich Paul advised him the wrong way 
and took him in a completely different direction. And this is a case of betting on your kind or betting on yourself the wrong way. That Rich Paul, from my interpretation, at this Ben Simmons party down in Los Angeles, California, said, you know what? Do not. Do not listen to Happy Walters, your former agent. No. Decline the offer. Take the minimum and try to make the most money next season. But then injuries got in the way. And in the next two seasons with the OKC Thunder, he was making minimum and combined for $3.7 million. That led to the Knicks one season. Then they gave him a contract extension, but that was with George Lamberg. So the entire mess started with Clutch Sports filing a grievance, uh, grievance report against Noel for not, uh, excuse me, for not honoring or not paying his $200,000 that came from his next one-year contract as a, um, oh, what is it, as I won those fees from to get that contract, right? And then once that came out, Norris Noel was like, no, 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 you're not doing that because you botched me out of $58 million with the uh, Dallas Mavericks. Now, this is the whole legal side. This is something that's getting messy because the Clutch Sports wants their $200,000. We do not know what Norris Noel wants in return. However, I can't expect something that's in the tens of millions of dollars, right? He wants his money now that he believed that he rightfully earned, but he was told by his new agent, Rich Paul, to decline that. And Rich Paul of Clutch Sports has been representing so many NBA players. I believe LeBron James goes, LeBron, the, excuse me, LeBron James goes there. So many different NBA talents go there. I think Ben Simmons goes there. So he was advising on his side of, okay, this man knows what he's talking about. However, that did not work out. Can we blame the injuries? But when do we start blaming the firm, Coach Sports, and his agent, Rich Paul? Because it gets messy because Coach Sports initiated a grievance report demanding money because it went to the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, because he didn't pay money. He didn't pay up. They're reporting him. They're saying, hey, our client didn't give us any money. He's in the, he's in the wrong here. Or then Norris Well was like, I'm hitting you with a lawsuit because you talked me out of money that I rightfully deserved, and you poorly negotiated and did not hold up on your end of the contract, and you're not willing to take the time as me as one of your clients because you had better clients to deal with. Whether my interpretation is spot on, kind of right, fully wrong, or kind of wrong, whatever being said, there is a messy lawsuit. So, this is going to be interesting for clutch sports because Norris Wells has always been bashed for turning down a huge, huge contract. And now we know why because, and remember, this is a one-side story. We need to hear Rich Paul's explanation if given through statement through himself or clutch sports. So, with that being said, we have the one side. 
this looks like a really sticky situation for the firm. Now, what now? What's gonna happen? We could break down his statement. I'm pretty sure it's more said. I don't think that it was like a one and done at Ben Simmons' uh, birthday party down in L.A. He's like, oh, don't take and he did it right on the spot without consulting him again. I think they had multiple talks about this, multiple consolations about this, about, look, this is why I want to see your future. This is why I think you're going. So I don't think it was like one of those things like where it was very informal and very rushed. I don't know, though. I'm just trying to think about this from the firm standpoint and from Nerds Noel's standpoint. Because by all, because by all, um, uh, matter went up, by all situation, I don't know what Rich Paul said. I don't know his story. I just know what Nerds Noel's going to say. And we all know that the defendant who's being accused by not paying the fee of the agency fee, which would have been 200000 he's not going to round himself out. He's going to try to get himself out of that. And this was that. The lawsuit was that. And I, I hope I'm making sense here as I'm all trying to process this. Because as I'm trying to make sense of it, it's like, we got one story here that was Nerds Noel. What if this um, firm really foobarred everything, really botched the deal? And there, there has to be more layer to this. I seen there's multiple encounters with the organization, the previous GM, Mark Cuban, who was the owner, right? The head coach, Rick Carlisle, um, and the firm that was representing their client, Ernst Noel. There, there's more to that. There has to be. If not, there's been huge uh, separation from client and uh, firm, right? So, that's going to be interesting. I don't, yeah, so right now, I don't know much. But we do realize that when it came out yesterday, that when I saw Nurse Noel was filing a lawsuit against the firm Clutch Sports and one of their many agents, Rich Paul, um, I knew that was not going to be good. And if Norris Noel is going to ask for big money, he's going to ask for big money. That lawsuit is going to contain big money that the firm is going to have to piggy up. And that's where it gets tricky because Rich Paul, whoever's going to be defending them, now has... A grievance report against Noel, and Noel is combating that with a lawsuit. So someone's paying something, whether that's uh two uh two hundred thousand or millions of dollars. And I'm just using millions of dollars as an example because if he lost between fifty to seventy million dollars, I can't remember the exact range, fifty-eight to seventy million dollars, depending with incentives and whatnot that was turned down. In the summer of 2017, he's going to be asking for millions. He wants that some of that money recuperated to secure some of that loss that he should never have taken. So, that's what I'm pretty, try, pretty much trying to say. So, as I'm trying to work this out in my brain, talk it out, but that's where we're at. And this is going to be a tricky situation. This goes beyond basketball. 
This goes beyond everything. This is a legal side. This is facing money and with guys saying, you need to pay me money. You did a poor job uh, negotiating for me, representing me. You didn't care for me as a client for my interpretation of that last statement. And Clutch Sports is like, you did not hold up to our uh, agreed contract, to our signed contract. You did not pay the fees that were required of you because you're our... Um, employee, your agent who represented you, got you where you were with the next, but you never paid two hundred thousand dollars. And I hope that statement, I hope what I just said, in those few sentences, actually makes sense because this is bigger than basketball. We are now talking about legal, legal, uh, legal implications and money. And whenever the legal side of things and money comes into play. I'm not I'm not a business guy. I'm not a law expert. I'm not a legal attorney. I'm not anything like that. And as you guys can tell right now, I am not. But what I can say is uh, legal issues and money going hand to hand is not a good thing for the defendant or the person um, accusing the person or firm of something that they did not do or something that they're allegedly supposed to do that they failed to do or to comply with. And I hope that makes sense. So as I'm trying to think about it, I'm trying to think about it in the best mind sense possible. I wish I would have had Rich Paul's side, but of course I'm not going to be able to get that. And two, this just came out yesterday, Tuesday, like around evening time when I just noticed it before it got later into the Arizona daytime. Daylight, right? So, but it's going to be a huge illegal situation. This is not going to be the last time we hear it. I'm not going to be surprised if we hear anything today, Thursday, Friday, over the weekend, right? Start, start a new week on Sunday and go into Saturday, right? You get what I'm saying. So, this is going to be something to watch. To really try to look for. This is not going to be huge for NBA fans, but for... The legal side of it for the NBA, this is going to be really interesting because Cut Sports initiated by going to the National Basketball Player Association and filing a grievance report against one of their players, Norris Noel. Now, Norris Noel is countering that with a heavy lawsuit with an unidentified money or um, dollar amount that he wants. Within that lawsuit, right? So I think the details of that will be coming out soon. I'm not going to be giving them that, but uh, sources that are close to NBA and close to the situation will probably be able to get the best knowledge possible from uh, Clutch uh, Sports and, of course, um, Neuralink Noel. So with all of that being said, huh? Let's get let's get to the. Um, uh, let's get to more of a heartbreaking thing, more of a, a devastating, a trickier situation. No, trust me, the legal side of that is tricky, but now we're dealing with family. And like Vin Diesel says, family is everything. Like family is family and family is like the most important thing, right? And this is tricky. 
We posted about this yesterday on courtsaheat.com. This was the biggest story. This was my, one of our most popular stories. And it was that Sonia Curry filed a divorce against former NBA star, who was her husband, Dell Curry, back, back in June in North Carolina. And it was it came out yesterday that they both filed for divorce. It's over. 33, uh, 33 years of marriage. Over. Um, that's sad. That's, you really did not want to see that, right? Because they were always in front of the camera, very close, but you could say that about anybody who who was close, that appeared on TV, that seemed to have a normal life, right? Seemed to have a happy life. But that news really shocked me, and it did so many people that, um... Especially on Twitter and our social media platforms that really took the news hard that those two were splitting up after 33 years of marriage, uh, making official that they knew each other, that they um, were together, but they knew each other longer than that when they were dating and whatnot. Um, honestly, I don't know what they could have done, but here's what I'm thinking. So Sonia Curry filed that divorce. That is what the report said. That is what Yahoo Sports said. Bleach Report said. ESPN said. Everyone said. Uh, from all of the Twitter sources and whatnot. Yeah, right. Some she had to know about something because she would just not come out of the blue back in June and just file a random divorce, divorce um, a random divorce papers, right? She would not file that out. She would not just file a random divorce out. That to me would seem odd. So, if she filed that, that means she found out something about Del Curry that he was hiding from her. And that's what I'm finding for interpretation on the limited knowledge that I have. So, do not take the words I am saying now. And agree with me fully until we hear both sides. Because something had to happen. And what I mean is this. Something had to happen in that marriage to cause the divorce. Because no happy couple, married couple would say, I'm going to end it here. I can't do it anymore. Something had to happen. They're just not like going to have that around. Like, oh, you know what? I want to experience divorce. I want to experience that heartbreaking transaction. Um, to be honest, um, as you guys can probably tell, I've never had divorce nor have I ever been married. So I cannot tell you my experience on that. But from stories that we hear or just the very definition of divorce and however long you've been with somebody, it can be a heartbreaking thing. And 33 years of marriage, and for them to go longer than that for dating years, and maybe before dating years, I, I don't know. I don't know their backstory. I don't know. I guys don't know. All I do know is, is that it can be tough. But I don't know. I find it odd that Sonia would just file it. So what I mean by that is something had to happen. That she maybe 
privately accused Del Curry of something, and they had a huge fall, and she was just done with it. Like, there was one instance, done. She just couldn't take it anymore, and it was unacceptable, the reasoning that, sh- that he gave her. Or, they just both mutually decided it was over, that they were fighting too much at home, and these are all just hypotheticals. I'm not saying this is real or not. Or there was problems at home that could not have been fixed. And this goes beyond money because Del Curry put in NBA. He's a wealthy man. So is her wife. Athletic family. So something had to happen within the home, outside the home, professionally, not professionally. Um, be honest, I don't know. So the news that you guys are reading about, figuring out, is what I'm getting too. So we're both trying to figure this out together. All I know is, is that for something to end a marriage, there has to be a great significant cause. It's not going to be out of the blue, like just petty accusations that are very small. If Sonia Curry... um. Decided which she did to file that divorce, but then something major must have happened because 33 years of marriage um, is a long year of knowing someone, being committed to that person, right? And something must have happened. Now, I'm only speaking to hypotheticals of what I'm talking about because I'm only going off with the evidence with the breaking news that I have, correct? So, with me having no experience with this and me going off a limited um, data here, I can't really say anything else besides what I've said. All I can say is Del Curry is 57 years old and Sonia Curry is 55 years old and they have a daughter, Seth Curry and Stephen Curry. And you want to know what's really painful about this? On August 23rd, which was yesterday, which was a Monday. That was a Monday. That was Seth Curry's. uh, Stephen Curry's brother's birthday. The, the, The news about the divorce. That messy situation. Who they probably already knew about this is coming. Like you really can't hide divorce file like divorce papers and whatnot. You wouldn't think, I don't know, I'm just speaking hypothetically for several months since June. But to have that that the Curry's divorced on Seth at Seth Curry's birthday, that's sad. And that's that's tough. That is tough. And it also comes into a play where would and they get, I don't know how, I don't know how this really works on the legal side. And I know they're grown up adults. My goodness, they're both in their 30s. So they're not kids anymore. They're not uh, young adults. No, these are grown adults that have their own families and are, have their own lives. And have been pretty much independent since making the NBA. And even post that, right? But just because of, I'm just going to say it. I wonder where the kids will be going. Will he go with their mother or go with their father? Stephen Curry has always credited his uh, social and racial movement uh, because of his mother. Because of all the influence he had on her, uh, uh, had on him 
further further school that he opened back up in nineteen eighty or nineteen ninety something. I can't remember. I apologize. I don't know that, but that she always kept the two brothers. They kept the entire family. When raising those kids, to always be appreciative of stuff, to never take things for granted. And that is huge, especially when you're brought into a wealthy family, because sometimes your expectations from a wealthy family is like, well, we were complete all this. You have all you need, want, or could ever imagine. And the problem is she never wanted them to get lazy or just not know the true fact of hard work or not even know that entire grind of hard work that people have to do to make ends meet or try to get a company off the ground or at least try to provide for a family, right? Zoos are critical values. He said, believe that he's gotten his values, his core values from her just from all of her teachings, she was also um, uh, she was also one of the first, if not these first, uh, black person to graduate from college. And I believe I'm getting that fact right. If I'm not, I truly do apologize. Do not want to change up anything that she has accomplished because that is huge. On the other hand, and his father was probably very encouraging. Because I think he always wanted to see his son grow up and play an NBA and have a really good life, right? But you never hear any stories about him unless I missed it. But does everything have to be publicized for the media? No. That, that would be ludicrous. That would be insane, right? So I think both parents had an effect on their children, whether negative or positively. All I know is what has been publicly stated through uh, Stephen Curry. But yeah, I, I just found the entire situation interesting and kind of devastating. And um, as I'm reading this through, uh, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really tough because this isn't one side, but as I'm reading this right now, is that uh, Sonia and Dal Curry both accused each other cheating in divorce documents. And Sonia says that the whole family knew Dal Curry was cheating or has been cheating since he was playing in the NBA. That is tough. Um, that is really tough, but those are what was in the uh, divorce documents. That's just plain and simple right there. What I just read to you right there was what was summarized, or part of it, um, from uh, their divorce documents. But that is heavy stuff right there. And both the Curry brothers and the entire family had to know about that from growing up. When I, if what Sonia said was accurate, and that what Dell did was real and not just trying to say that to say then that might have had an impact on their kids right might have had an impact on the way they lived i I don't know i'm not gonna make any uh, assumptions because assumptions can never go bad uh can go bad for sure but i don't know 
But that's what I'm going to leave you guys with. I'm not going to say more on this because why? I would bring no added value to this. I'm pretty much just saying what everyone else has been saying. But I saw it would been interesting to bring it up because it was tough because I'm like, really? Because it's like 33 long years. It's like, real wide of them. Just two years ago in 2019, you saw the Curry Brothers playing against each other. And their parents were up there wearing split jerseys of each other. Of each of the brothers. So that to me was really surprising. And all the good memories. And remember what I said earlier. Not everything publicized by the media. Not every picture taken by the media. Not everything that goes online. Is how everyone's in behind doors. In privacy. Not every family can act so nice to each other. Not every family member or uh, partner can act nicely behind a door or get along the greatest and i hope what i'm saying makes sense and it's just not me rattling off useless things that you guys already thought about new and you guys just listened to this topic bored out of your mind but i i just thought that was really shocking it's just like whoa but we know also this is going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. And I don't think it's going to be the last time we hear the media publicize about this and try to spread out as far as they can. Okay, getting away from that, let's talk about different breaking news. And that is going to be Mike Boonholzer. So Mike Boonholzer and the Milwaukee Bucks won the 2021 NBA Finals. They're NBA champs. They're the reigning, defending, undisputed champs. We're going to pull up their title this upcoming season, start October 19th. And what's the best way to reward your head coach is to honor him with a new contract. So both, both sides have agreed to a three-year extension that goes through the years 2024 the 2025, which are really, which is really good for the Bucks. I've never been a big fan of Mike Boonholzer, but I am of Giannis, but I am a militant, but I am of Holiday. And I'm not going to take away all the success that Boonholzer had last season. Um, I'm not going to discredit him. Obviously, that's a huge accomplishment, winning a title. No doubt in my mind. And I'm not going to make any uh, comments. I'm not going to make any remarks. I'm not going to just try to justify why I shouldn't have gotten the contract or why I should. I'm just going to say this. They agreed to a freer extension that goes through 2024-25. And with all that being said, they want him to get to the finals again. They probably want him to get in their championship. They probably want to see him... Try to make it back to the playoffs and make it really, really meaningful. So, with all of that being said, there you have it. Giannis has back his head coach, and Ty Ockram has back their head coach, and it's probably going to work out again. I'm not saying they're going to go win, go back to the NBA Finals to win it. All I'm saying is they're going to put up a really good fight, a really good shot to try to make it to the NBA Finals and really try to. Win again before his contract extension's up, and they'll have to uh, renegotiate and have to try to extend him again if wanting to. But good news is, you have three years on that extended contract for 2024 25. This was the last season for him after this season, and yeah, you have some things to work with. 
rosters are starting to improve. They're going to adjust, and it's going to be exciting. I am excited for that one, and I'm not too surprised that he got a contract extension. I knew he was going to get extended if he won the finals or just because he was in the finals and he took that team to higher lengths. And if he didn't win the finals and he wasn't even in the finals, I knew he was going to get fired. So it was like one of the tricky situations. But the right outcome happened for the right result. Moving on to our next breaking news, the Mavericks. You remember when the Atlanta Hawks signed, um, uh, who was his name? Oh, yeah, Nick Van Axel to be their assistant coach? Well, here we go. The Mavericks have hired Jared Dell, who played 14 seasons in the NBA, most recently with the Nets. And he is pretty much retired from basketball, it seems like, to go be from a basketball player to a basketball assistant coach. As this is the second NBA player to turn from being a player to an assistant coach um, in the past week. And we've been seeing this a lot recently with Steve Nash and all these different guys that turn from being an NBA player to an NBA coach of some sort. And that is going to be really interesting. But I'm not, I will write, of course, he's writing an article that's going to publish this Sunday for our exclusive content members that talks about the positive effects, the overall effects of having former NBA players being turned into coaches, whether the head coach or top assistant coaches or just any head, um, or any assistant coach for that matter. And we're going to talk about why that is so significant and what that really does mean for an organization because I can't tell you how valuable that is. Even if he's working off the bench, Jared Dudley knows some things about the uh, about the NBA. He's been there for 14 seasons. He knows the up and downs. He's been with some good teams. He's been with some bad teams. And he's been with a mix of teams, right? And to have any NBA player turn coach, I would take that because Nick Van Axel is a good basketball player. And for the most part, so is Jared Dudley. I'm just saying... The league is coming more and more um, in rumors and sometimes reports about all these different NBA players turn NBA coaches in some shape, form, or fashion. Think of Nick Van Axel. Think of Steve Nash. Think of Jared Allen. Think of Jason Kidd. Think of all these different guys. Nate McMillan. I'm just saying... And David Millen turned around a team and took him to an unlikely championship round for NBA Finals contention. And he was with the Bucks before getting fired and then going over to Hawks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that right. But you get what I'm saying. So it's really interesting when all broken down. And then you have guys on the lower level like Ray Allen coaching a high school basketball team. That that did not go unnoticed in my mind because I think he can be a good head coach. I think any of these guys that are really given that can really understand the game can be head coaches or at least coaches, like from assistant roles and whatnot. But yeah, do not take that lightly. 
I really do believe that can be a role that many NBA players or former NBA players can take over because we've seen it with Julie, uh, with Larry Bird. Larry Bird was the head coach. And if I'm not mistaken, let me look. Was Reggie Jackson a head coach? Uh, no, who am I saying? Reggie Miller. Was it Reggie Miller? Reg, it was, was it Reggie Miller? Uh, I don't think so. Was it? I, I, yeah, but you guys, what I'm getting, but you guys know what I'm saying. Because, um, oh, But yeah, here's the thing. Even Reggie Miller was uh, was the candidate for being a head coach. I can't remember who's head coach or not, but you guys get where I'm going with this as I was just researching that, looking up on Google.com, and look, I think that's a valid argument. Maybe a few years ago that was not possible, but now it seems like, it really seems like, NBA players are transitioning into head coaches. And I think there's always been an idea about that, but I think we always left it to college basketball uh, coaches and to assistant coaches or just guys in general that coached. Um, but if I thought I'm the NBA, I would be like, okay, let's see what these NBA players turned coaches can be like. Steve Nash was in the conference finals before injuries derailed his team, and they just really could not get over COVID-19 and injuries. And then you see it with all these different guys joining. Larry Bird had a shot. He had a shot with his team. And even though he didn't last too long as a head coach, they still had a shot. So I'm really a good believer in that. And I know there's a few of our head coaches, but you know what? If we're not seeing more in the front office, I think we can see now in the coaching uh, like in the coaching room. I think we can see NBA players there and I think the uh Jared Dell being hired as assistant coach for the Dallas Mavericks is just one of the many openings that's Oh, excuse me. They're going to begin. And with that being said, let's move on to our next. And that is the Cavaliers, Hawks, and Cam Reddish. We've been talking about the Hawks. We've been talking about the Cavaliers, especially in our offseason series about what the offseason taught us about these two players is this. The Cavaliers are looking to trade for a wing player. They want to improve that position. They want to improve that area. They want to improve the way that they attack at the wing. They're trying to be an all-around court offensive team and defensive team. They're trying to be an all-around-the-court team. And I don't blame them. That's a smart strategy to go, especially when you're filling out all the roster spots correctly, all the positions correctly. And by them looking to get a trade done to help improve the wing, they're they're targeting the Atlanta Hawks' own Cam Reddish, who has shined in valuable minutes when guys have been injured, whether that is the regular season or postseason, but now could really be shining if given, given the trade. And the trade possibility has been coming down for some time, 
before this year's NBA draft, and even last season, during last season, right, there was always this looming possibility of having a trade being officiated for Cam Reddish for whatever team was willing to give up for him. And Cam Reddish is not bad when given more minutes, but in the minutes he's been given, the small forward has been very good in the shooting guard. He, he's been, he made some really good jumps. And it's the same to same. He went up in rebounds. He went up in points, went up in minutes, didn't play that many games due to injury. But they believe that he can fix that. 2020 only played 26 games post to his 58 games in 2019. To me? Ah, I just don't know. I just don't know. I think Cam Rush can be good. I think he can. And they give addition to that uh, wing spot because he has the height. He's getting the half lesson. He's getting that muscle. So I'll be sure he's getting all of those. He's getting those required check box. Those check, uh, those like check marks from the organization. And Cam Rush is not the only guy that the Cavaliers have been looking at, I'm pretty sure. And I don't think the Cavaliers are on team looking at uh, Cam Reddish. So if I were the Cavaliers, I would go trade for Cam Reddish. I would give him a second-round pick, maybe two second-round picks. Maybe send out Larry Nance Jr. Maybe send out someone else. Maybe send out one of those other guys that you don't need, because I think one or two second-rounders would be perfect for uh, Cam Rush. Then you just let their head coach, let their training staff, let everyone there figure him out, because he's a good basketball player when figured out, and the Cavaliers could be very needy for his talent, for his skills. For the potential opportunity he could bring to that organization. So while these are rumors right now. And what is being speculated and reported. I think in my personal opinion. This would be a good piece to get. A developing piece who's coming in a year free. That's looking to make a mark in the NBA. That can create his own identity. With or without the Atlanta Hawks. And... Wire team he ends up going to if traded, if given that trade possibility. So, given that option, I would say the Cavaliers because I think they had the draft picks, especially the second rounders, and they have like a few bench players that they could spare to pass, pass on. So, I don't know. What are your guys' feelings on that? Because I think that would be a really good opportunity for Camrush and for Cleveland. Plus, if if the Hawks can benefit from that with the draft picks, because I think only two second rounders, if even that is valuable, because you never know. There could be some second round sleepers. There could be some guys that can really light it up in the second round that could have some high potential. Who knows? It would just all depend if they're really going in. For the draft picks, they're just going to try to get up some um some bum from the bench, right? But that's what I'm looking at right now. And to be totally fair, that, that's what Cam Rush is worth right now. A few bums or maybe some second rounders. And that's not a critique towards him. Just his trade value is not there. Why? Because the, this season was worse than last season. 
due to injury and shooting inconsistency. He needs to get that up high. And I think the Hawks are at a disadvantage of trading him because there's not any real value there. But if they can't squeeze the value out of him, why not trade him? I think it's time. I think it's like, okay, let's do this. Let's trade him. So that's where I'm at. That's where I am at with that topic. That's where I'm at with those two franchises and that player and those players or and or draft picks or just the draft picks just to be included. And with that being said, let's move on to our next topic. And that's another team eyeing a, um, a player. And that would be Paul Millsap. The Golden State Warriors have been rumored to be the biggest link, the biggest connection, the biggest front runner to land Paul Millsap, which would make sense. I talked to everyone. I told you guys the Warriors would make really good sense for him. And he was playoff bound. He is a playoff bounded player. And everybody's viewing his value, his talent as something that NBA team needs to have. That's why the Nets, Lakers, and Warriors all want him. Those top three teams who are all playoff contending teams win healthy or win some semi-healthy, 80% healthy, somewhere around there, right? And personally, I think the Warriors would be great with Paul Millsap. Just Steve Kerr has to them perform his way how he was with Denver but he can shoot the free ball he can shoot the ball which would fit perfectly with the Warriors because unlike James Wiseman he's more seasoned and he's able to shoot around the court and that's not Wiseman's fault but you need to let Wiseman do his thing but it's also like we got this huge big that's ready to fire some shots and knock some guys down so this will be a huge move for the Warriors and to me, I would be excited. I would be really, really, really excited. I don't know why. I always like Paul Mossad, especially against the Suns, because when I saw us sweeping him, uh, for us, when I got when I knew we were getting to sweep against them, when we just swept them, it was perfect. It was perfect. And I was like, okay, these guys can do what they want. There's no Jamal Murray to bail out. Um, Nikhil Jokic. But all honesty, all joking aside, Paul Mosap is the type of player you want. The Phoenix Suns, like I said before, was ironing up uh, Paul Mosap before they got Javel McGee. They won him, but due to the luxury tax that they were in and the kind of cap room that they were in, it just, just, they just couldn't. But Javel McGee is a great move for the Phoenix Suns. We talked about that a few podcast episodes ago when we were covering the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns on our off-season series. So with all of that being said, let's get to our last... We'll get to our last breaking news. And this one can kind of run into our off-season series of what the off-season talks about these two teams. And one of the teams are the Pelicans. I've not talked about the Pelicans breaking them down and the interesting roster moves they made this offseason. But let's get to the last breaking news that can significantly impact the relationship of Zion Williamson and of the New Orleans franchise, and that is this. NBA has stripped away 
10 national games from the Pelicans for this upcoming season. Last season, they had 20 national games. And now for the upcoming season, they will only have 10 national games. And this is noted. Zion hasn't been in a playoff game or selected or even participated in an all-star game. How crazy is that? The Pelicans are digging their own hole with them letting go Zion Williamson, who is friends with Josh Hart and Zion Williamson, who's making all the wrong mistakes in head coaching when they signed Stan Van Gundy. And it was getting really, really bad for the New Orleans Pelicans. And it's gotten worse because now the Pelicans are now having their true uh, worth, their true value coming out. Why? Because they're a really bad team. And even with all the hype of Zion Williamson, especially now that it's gone down tremendously since the 2019 NBA draft, it's now like, oh, um, what what do we do here? Uh, we're just going to have 10 less national games. It's like, what kind of audience are you really getting? You're pretty much just getting... Um, like the the opponent's team, uh, fans and your team fans, whatever left of your team fans. So I have ten national games in eighty two game season, not even counting post games or anything like that. That is tough. And to be honest, ESPN and TNT pulled the plug on the Pelicans because you do not want to cost that money. Because if they're gonna have payments coming in for advertisement time. And you're going to have TV companies have all these different paid sponsors wanting to pay to have advertisement time. They don't want to have it for a Pelicans game because no one's going to watch that besides a few thousand Pelican fans. Legit. So for ESPN and TNT to do that, they had to make a sacrifice and they had to strip away 10 games, half of the national games away from the Pelicans, which is a significant, significant number because now, even with Zion Williamson, who has not made a splash in this NBA due to the franchise and maybe even due to himself, has now dug a hole to where he's not even getting that national uh, broadcast anymore. 10 games to showcase himself, then he just has to go play in front of a stadium that really hates their eyes and just are miserable Pelican fans. That is pretty much where we're at now. They've just been decreasing ever since they got Zion Williamson and their cap space and their poor choices have really been leading to interesting uh, collapses for this franchise and just for the league because everyone's hyping up. ESPN was hyping up. Everyone was hyping up Zion Williamson coming in. But now, even with all that hype, it couldn't save their franchise from where it is right now from where it started to now and they tried to rig it up the best they could to have Zion Williamson front center for the NBA bubble uh, they tried to promote the Pelicans saying that they're going to win the uh, NBA bubble they're going to make a huge splash they bombed that they botched that they failed on that and they just completely fell on their face and they it's not like they're dealing with too many injuries. But if I'm Zion Williamson, I have to be like, 
you have to be like, I'm frustrated. I've never really got a chance to explode my talent, assuming I has any, besides dunking and wearing shoes that will blow his knees. Um, now I have to be saying to himself, I only got 10 national games, and now I have to play 72 hour games just for Pelican fans? That's a really bad, bad situation for the Pelicans, but we will keep you updated as that is the last of our breaking news, and you know what that means. That means we will be talking about what the offseason taught us about these two teams. And since we're already talking about the New Orleans Pelicans, why not continue that trade? And here we go. Let's do this. And to begin with this, we have the Pelicans, who were in, who was out, who they re-signed. And, of course, we're, we're not doing extended for them because they did not extend any contracts. And we're not going to count draft because we really can't go anything, go anything off of them. So, without further ado... Let's get right into this, starting with who was in, who was traded for, who was signed, etc., etc. We have uh, Jonas Valsinius. He was a a former Memphis Grizzlies player, good center, double-double-digit center. Cannot pronounce his last name. I call him Jonas V because I can't pronounce his last name, and that's really, really bad if I keep trying to botch it. Uh, unintentionally. Then we got Devontae Graham, uh, Thomas Sat- uh, Sadorowski, um, Garrett Temple, Dalton Holmes, and Jose Alvaro. 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 Wow, some of those names I really botched. I don't mean to. Then you have outs. This is going to hurt to some extent. You have Alonzo Ball. Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, James Johnson, Wesley Iduno, and James Nolly. Those were all the guys out. And the only guys that really matter from the out section is Lonzo Ball, Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe. Because at least those guys gave good depth to the chart, uh, to their chart team, to their chart roster, to their roster, right? Because... Zion was great. That was their main point guard. They lost that. And they subbed in Devontae Graham. No hate against him. He's no Alonzo Ball to where you can pull him in and whatnot. And he's just a little more skilled than Graham. And I get him. That's a lot coming out of me. But still, I have to admit it. What I've seen from him and how he still stayed alive from a corrupted Lakers team to a really poor ran organization that should never have been in the NBA in the first place. But now going to the re-signs, we have Josh Hart, Diddy Luzada, and Willie Hernan Gomez. Josh Hart is developmental. Those are two guys are bums who are just bench fill-ins to try to get bench depth. So my feelings on this, let's just start with a recap and overview. So, um... Odd, very odd offseason. Friend of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, he walked out. He got a better contract. 
And he's going to be playing with Billy Donovan, who actually knows how to run an offense, runs a team. Actually, he did great things for OKC. Really should shine better as a head coach, but the media was not going to pay attention to him. But, right, so they got a better deal, and they have more chance to make it a postseason 10 times over than the Pelicans will ever have. And you just see Steven Adams and Bledsoe just get kicked to the curb for Jonas V, who isn't really a great fit alongside Williamson. Because Williamson likes going inside, but if you have another big man on the inside, it's not going to be a cooperative. Because this big man, Jonas, has always just been, give me the ball on the inside, I'll get all the rebounds, I'll get the points on the inside. And that's Zion Williamson's brand butter. That's pretty much what he's known for. So there's going to be a clash of talent there. Clash of skill, clash of ego, potentially. And then we walk down to a knockdown shooter, to a spob shooter. Where, that's Devontae Graham, but Devontae Graham is no point guard. He has some passing skills, but not as elite as Zion Williamson. And, I mean, as Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball had better defensive skills than him. Graham has zero defensive skills. That is something that he desperately needs to work on. It, we saw that when he was with the Charlotte Hornets. We just saw it was the Hornets organization, but no, it turned out to be him. But then, while you're here, it's just like, y- y- all you did was, besides... Jonas and Devontae Graham, you and potentially Garrett Temple, and I'm taking out drafted guys, which were two. You just signed bench players. But did you ever really update your bench? Because, because this goes bigger than, wait a minute. Then you have Alonzo Ball, Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, James Johnson. Forget James Johnson. But the first three guys I mentioned. Those are really big names to go out when you're not bringing anyone else in. Zion's full of talent. Adam's a full of talent. Bledsoe, eh, he's just a body. But he stay would be used for good matters, for good things. And you re-sign Josh Hart, Diddy Lozada, and Willie Hernan Gomez? That is sure, that's a surefire plan. A foolproof plan on keeping Zion Williamson. Guys, come on. Just take a look at the bench. Jackson Hayes, your bench. That should just already tip you off. That should really throw some flags. Nikhil Alexander, he's your shooting guard. Trey Murphy, he's your shooting guard. Um, Kiki Lewis, Najee Mar- Marshall, Herb Jones, Diddy Luzada, uh, Will Hernan Gomez. Wenyan Gabriel, Garrett Temple, and Basla Corprivisa. I'm sorry, I pronounced your name, but he, he's a Florida center. But you get where I'm going with. Garrett Temple is the only good bench player. And Jackson Hayes is a bum. He's a 21 year old bum. He, he shouldn't have been drafted with the 8th overall pick. He hasn't done anything. He's averaged 7 points in both seasons. 7.4 in his career. I, I don't know. But when I'm looking at this, they have no bench. And their starts come down to Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. 
They can't do that on their own. Heck, they couldn't even do that with Zion, Zion Williamson. I mean, sorry, Alonzo Ball. That's why Alonzo left. Ball didn't want to be with that disaster anymore. That's why he wanted to get traded as fast as he could um, with a sign trader, just with anything, just to get out of New Orleans. It's a bad atmosphere. Josh Hart came back because they had to be desperate for players and they reached out to a bad player, a bad developing player who's trying to transition to a decent, a good player. And you gave them a $10-11 million contract per year for for years, right? Devontae Graham's not bad, but he has some issues. And Zion Williams is more of a dunker. He's a showman. But it works. However, you don't get you're not gonna be able to retain Zion. So here's how Zion's gonna pop. Unless he's gonna be a money man, take all the money he can and just throw away his career. The Pelicans aren't his spot. They were never were. Not in 2019, not now. This he's going to his third NBA season. His third career season. Former first overall pick. No accolades to show for it. No appearances to show for it. Lackluster going on to his third head coach. And you had now you're on the left with Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Devontae Graham, and Jonas V. Come on. That's that's not how you do it. Odd CBS Sports was applauding you. In the terms of they used the nice word odd. No, no. Some of that was odd. You're just an embarrassment of an organization. You you really are. No one wants to watch Pelican games anymore. Zion was supposed to be something. But he's just faded into night. It's like it's like the silent like it's just a silent man. Gone. Without no trace. Like people know who he is, but they're no longer excited for him. Why? Because he's not on a good team. Not in a good market. Not in a good area to where, okay, they're not even getting more national games. They reduce that to 10. What happens next year if they want to cut that down to 9, 8, 5, something? Those are real concerns. And what's even more scared is that the fact that the Pelicans could be losing Zion Williamson. So when I listed all that out, they failed. You can't just resign Willie Hernan Gomez, Diddy Luzada, and Josh Hart. Josh Hart's fine, but those are just bench guys. You guys went after bench players. And, and uh, Garrett Temple, he's a bench player. Uh, Thomas Sakharov, Sky, Sakharov, so I can't pronounce his last name. But Thomas, he was in a trade. He's a bench player. Then Jose Alvarado, he's a bench player. Dalton Holmes, he's a bench player. You guys get you guys get where I'm coming from, right? Jonas V, he okay, he's a starter. That's why he got rid of Steve Nabs. Okay, I kind of get that one. Devontae Graham, that was a desperation move because you knew Zion Williamson was not going to come back, and you were not going to match an offer with the Bulls because you knew the Bulls wanted him, and you knew Zion was actually going to get the respect he deserved, right? So, I, I'm sorry, why do I keep calling him Zion? It's called, his name is called Alonzo Ball. So, when you're losing Alonzo Ball with Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, for whatever they're worth, to your guys' eyes, 
that's a huge deal. And the Pelicans are messing up. The Pelicans are messing up big time. Like, huge. And with all that being said, I've been talking about the Pelicans each and every podcast episode because each and every podcast episode, there's a new thing with Zion Williamson or the franchise. And I just put them on this list because I saw their national games get reduced. The NBA finds you as embarrassment. I wonder how many national games the Kings have. They probably have the same or maybe a little more than you. The organization who drafted Zion Williamson. Get all the hype and love for ESPN, Bleacher Report, Sports Yahoo. Um, all these different guys, all these different media outlets. It, it's sad when you see this. Like, this is no matter what if, what Zion's going to do. I think everybody's fed up. To me, I'm surprised he has not forced his way out. I'm surprised he's not sitting out. He's actually honoring his contract, trying to play it out. But this team is a joke, an embarrassment. Like, where are we going wrong here? From the front office to the roster to everything. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being too critical on this team. Maybe they're all going to turn around next season. But this got went from an odd offseason to a really, really bad offseason. And one that just proves that even though you have power within that organization, doesn't make you intelligent. What you just showed us all is that you guys are a bunch of idiots that don't know how to keep your first overall pick happy. And whether he said that publicly or privately, we all know from interpretation and assumptions that it's not going to have a fairytale ending where Cinderella gets the guy and they don't have to, and she doesn't go back to his uh, nasty stepdaughters or however the story goes. It's not going to be a Cinderella moment. No, this is not good. This isn't good. You're you're no longer appealing as a franchise. The NBA is recognizing that. ESPN is recognizing that. TNT is recognizing that. That's why they pulled 10 national games off of you. That's why Zion Williamson left. That's why Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe were happy to leave. It's just the guys that you signed, Josh Hart, Vol- like, I have to be sound like a broken record, but to be fair, these are valid opinions. Like, these are very valid opinions. Like, I just don't know. When looking at this roster, you have Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Devontae Graham, Jonas V, and Najee Marshall. I hope that's not their starting five. Because that's a sad starting five. Zion and Brandon Ingram are okay. We don't even know the true value of Zion. He's just a high reel. That to me is him, but I do feel bad for the first overall pick because I do believe his talents have gone crushed by this poor ran organization. Just, I, I don't know what else they can do. I don't think they can do anything else. Zion Williamson is 21 years old. He's going to be 22 or 23 when he's able to be let go of his team. Being held from it, being held hostage from his team has killed him. It just has. He's killed, he's killed his star. He's killed everything. And the man's averaging 27 points per game, 7 rebounds, and almost 4 assists per game. But no one's talking about him. 
he was averaging pretty much what Jokic was averaging. A little close to that. Same with him being close to that. And no one was talking about that. And it's really sad because that is the uh, that's the uh, organization franchise that you have that, that you're playing for. Not by choice, but by force. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting where everyone lies in this situation because this is not good. And I, I don't know. I just don't know. Because this is a team I'm not even worth trying to talk about anymore. They're just humiliating. They're just defeating. They're just they're just negativity. They don't have one good thing to say about the organization. But take Zion Williamson out of it. He's frustrated to be there. Everyone's frustrated to be there. You made yourself look more like idiots by signing a bum, which was Stan Van Gundy. You kept ruining your front office. Kept poisoning your star lineup, your entire roster, your locker room. You're, you're driving out your franchise player to what to be. What was to be your franchise player? That's not good. Something's wrong. To be on your third head coach in his third season, and that's just going to buy Zion Williamson's tenure with the Pelicans. That's not good. That is quite the opposite of good. That's horrific, and you better hope that he honors out his contract or you have less time. I would just prepare for the worst that comes next season or just after this season because this is bad. This is real bad. I wouldn't be surprised if Zion Williamson asked for a trade this season if there was rumors popping for that one, popping for the edge of having that. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I would actually be happy for him. I would like him out of the Pelicans. It's just a shame that some players get ruined by bad organizations. And if Zion gets ruined, we all know we're going to come back to that story of how the Pelicans ruined one of the most um, athletic dunkers that was, that was never able to be. Of his generation, of his draft class. It's just, it's just sad and it's... It's really exhausting to talk about the same team and just have new issues keep popping up. But yeah, that's where we're at. So what did the offseason teach us about the New Orleans Pelicans? Is the fact that they don't know how to run the organization. They're scattered everywhere. And they're in code red for Zion Williamson. And they don't know what to do with him or how to manage him. They're just in par- paranoia. They're in uh, distress. They are just freaking out without any explanation. And with that being said, that's all I have to say about the New Orleans franchise. And that's really disappointing. But moving on, we do have our final team, which would be no other than the Dallas Mavericks. Hopefully this one could be more upbeat, a little more sunshine and rainbows. I hate using that phrase, but that's where we're at right now because we need a little more positivity. We need a little more something that's just not, oh, what's going to happen to him? I really hope that we don't have to talk about Zion or about the Pelicans ever again. I don't mind talking about Zion, it's just the Pelicans. I just don't know why they're such a bad team and why they've not fired everyone from the front office. 
I just don't know why. But here we go. We're excluding draft players. We're going to be looking at guys that were in our re-signed and extended. Here we go. Guys that were in was Reggie Bullock, Sterling Brown, Moses Brown, and Eugene Umoria. I apologize if I pronounced your last name wrong. Uh, but who guys who were out was Nico Melli, Josh Richardson. The guys who resigned it was Nate Hinton, Hinton, uh, Boba Merovich, Tim Hardaway Jr. And guys that were extended was no other than their franchise superstar, Luka Doncic. Who signed like a five-year, was a four-year contract worth 200 plus million dollars. Huge payday for him to say the least. So here we go. Here we go. This was a good offseason. They got business done. They kept their priorities straight. They kept their priorities straight. They took in business. And the most important order of business. The most important to-do list. The most important thing on the do list that needed to be checked off was signing Doncic to a match extension. And for them to do that, they grabbed a retainer starting uh, franchise player, their starting guard, which is huge. Mark Cuban's always been a fan of him. He's always made sure that Luca was taken care of. And if not, there would have been a problem. Why? Because he sees his value. And if that's passed between his fingertips, it's going to be like, well, you just botched that and everything about that. But what I will say is, is this. If you did not re- if you were not able to re-sign Lugodonchus and if he was done, which there was different reports and whatnot, majority of them saying that he was gonna go back to his draft uh to his drafted traded team, right? The Dallas Mavericks, he was gonna stay, he was not gonna try to do the Knicks, he was not gonna try to do any of that. He's going to stay, take all the money while he can, before he gets older, before he hits prime. Tries to get to all of those money bags, right? Now, we're just looking at the barrel of, okay, you have Luka Doncic. You got, your, you got your business taken care of on the front end, the most important thing, because you legit just seen Mark Cuban just... Yeah, just getting angry and whatnot because he was not able to get his good guy back. And he's a phenomenal athlete. You want Luka Doncic on your team. You need Luka Doncic on your team. Like, it's almost as important as oxygen for that franchise. But also, bringing back one of the most efficient offensive players in the league last season was Tim Hardaway. People may not be what may not be so hyped up about Tim Hardaway as his father was in the NBA, right? But I will say this. Tim Hardaway is one of the best shooters in his prime right now in this league. He's he's averaging 16 points, three rebounds, and close enough to two assists on 44% from the field. Those are not bad numbers when he's played 70 games in 28 and a half minutes per game. To me, that's really good, especially on the starting line, because at least that's adding depth for Doncic to where he doesn't have to be the only guy performing out there, shooting it, and making sure that things get done. So they're able to retain Tim Hardaway. But you want to know the best thing? When every offensive team needs to add defense, what do you do? 
you add a defensive player. And that's what they did through Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock is a good offensive player, a good shooter, but his defensive skills are unmatched. Especially when he's playing guys that are a little bit taller than him or on the same position as he is. Reggie Block was one of those guys that were significantly better. He's not Patrick Beverly good, but he's better than your average, typical NBA defensive player because he was just so good for the Knicks. He was just so good. And now to see him with the Mavericks, I'm like, this is the defensive push that they need. This is the defensive push that they've always needed. Not for Christoph Porzingis, but if this guard could really crack down on these top-notch players and bring those defensive skills they had from New York, solid. Solid work right there. And I'm never going to complain about that. Not once. So, re-signing Tim Hardaway Ju- uh, I'm sorry, signing Reggie Bullock was great. Same with Sterling Brown. Star and Brown was great because they added more shooting. Adding more shooting guards and just shooting in general to that roster. They need more guys that will make that shot. That will take that shot. They'll create their own shot. They take those different variations of shot. And whether that's going to be fadeaways, whether it's going to be uh, off the pick and roll, off the screen shots, um, off the backboard shot, off the rebound shot, dunk dunking, Whatever it is. But by getting back, um, just by getting another piece in Sterling Brown, you added more shooting abilities, more capabilities, more challenges for opposing defender uh, defenses that try to counteract. And to me, that is a huge thing when your team is trying to build this thing around Luka Doncic, who you just pay buttloads of money on, and now you're just like, okay, let's see, let's get some shooters, let's get a mix of shooting uh, players and defensive players. And Sterling Brown can be a good defensive player, but Reggie Bullock is the steal when it comes to defensive players. And it was huge that they were able to sign him in free agency. And... Um, well, so, oh, what else I want to say? Now, the Josh, Josh Richardson was not bad. I'm okay with him being let go. He's not a bad player, but when they brought him in, he just never fit with the Mavericks. He never fit in with Rick Carlisle's scheme, with the way he wanted to perform the team. He just could never find that groove, and it hindered his abilities. Look, that's always going to hinder your abilities if you cannot fit into an offensive scheme, into a defensive scheme, into call scheme. You have to be that right type of player to really fit in and really, really, really want it. And that's just not me saying that. That is the wholeheartedly bolding truth. Because what you give within a head coach's scheme, within a head coach's roster, translating to a court, onto the court... And it shows the organization that you're ready. But it just never worked out with Josh Richardson. Even if they had Luka Doncic, Chris Upperzing, it's nothing like that. And Josh Richardson has been around this, uh, been around a few teams. He, he was with Miami. He was with Philly. 
then he was with Dallas, and now he's with a new team. He's with the Celtics right now. He, I think he's going to work out with the Celtics. He averaged 12 points last season, free rebounds, and close enough to free assist. Two and a half assists. In my opinion, Richardson was good. That team needed to wake up of that. They didn't need to keep everyone. It was time to purge. It was time to make smart decisions. And I'm just looking at it right now. If Christoph Porzingis stays today, this is who you have. Are you ready? Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, Luka Doncic, Christoph Porzingis, and Boban Marvanovic. That is great. They have an okay to good uh, bench. They got Dwight Plow. He's not bad. Jalen Brunson's not bad. Uh, Willie Collins-Stein is not bad. Storm Brown's not bad. That's what he just signed. Just different guys like that. So, when I'm looking at that, they took care of business. They strained their priorities out. They made sure they gave that bag to Uga Doncic. They gave him the bottle of money to satisfy him for life if he spent it properly. And he should be able to double that over, like, 20 lives, right? And then... You have guys that are coming in that wants to play with this team for Mark Cuban's team, for Jason Kidd's team. And now you're just like, okay, this is what we have. This is what we have. So now they're bringing in defenders, shooters, to assist Luka Doncic. So, excuse me. So when I, I don't have, so he doesn't have to do this all on his own, which is a huge thing. So if I had to give him a grade, I would give him an A. I would give them an A for that. They took care of business. They, they got Reggie Bull. They got Stern Brown. They got Moses Brown. They did good. They got bench players. They took care. They mixed it up between bench and starting. But they took care of business. And they made sure in this year's offseason, they were able to capitalize for Luka Doncic. Because they had to get the right players. Because they knew Luka was going to come back. So like, okay, let's depart with Josh Richardson. That experiment failed. Nicola Melli, eh, we can't we can get rid of him. But then then we're like, okay, Reggie Bullock, great defender, good shooter. That's gonna work out perfectly. Sterling Brown's a good shooter. He can do some wonders. So I liked that. And then Tim Harway Jr. come back. Okay. Knockdown shooter. <laughs> Don't knock me over with Farrell with a good time. Then Boa Martovich, okay. Not a bad center. He's developing, but he has a great relationship with Luca. And then Nate Hilton, or Hinton, or Hinton, or however you pronounce the last name. I apologize for that. He's not bad. He's deaf. He's going to be deaf player. He's going to be a body for the bench. But you get where I'm coming at, right? This is all for Gudantic, making him happy from the money side to from the financial side to the basketball side of trying to get guys around and make him happy because he's friends within there. Tim Hardaway Jr. probably was his friend. But Boba Marovic, during the NBA bubble, during quarantine, during the regular season and whatnot, was friend and still is friends with Luke Doncic. And then you're just adding extra depth, extra knowledge, extra talent to his team. Come on. So they capitalized on that smartly. They capitalized on that correctly. And I really cannot say anything wrong about that. They did things the right way. And to me, 
that was huge for that team. Without a shadow of doubt in my mind. So, they took care of business. Again, what did the offseason teach us about the Dallas Mavericks? The Dallas organization took care of business, shaped up their priorities, and what was a already known fact that Luka Doncic is going to come back and that they were playing for it. Then they were just pulling in pieces the Phil Doncic, the Phil Jason Kidd scheme, and how he envisions the offense and defense, how he envisions that roster as a whole, how he wants the chemistry to be sub, how he just wants this to be sub, right? And then you just see they bring in a general manager and they're like, okay, Luca, we get that you're not friendly. that we took right of your general manager. However, it was time, or was it? I can't remember. But yeah, they were like, look, we got rid of the front office, head coaching. We got out of the old and with the new. We got this GM that is former executive with Nike. It may sound really bad, but he knows a lot of NBA players. He's going to make this more of a tradable destination, more of a landable landing situation destination. So that is huge. So he's going to bring in more of the market to make him even better, make him even suitable for people that want to come down to Dallas, Texas. So when talking about the grand scheme of things, they're like, Luke, come back. We're changing the front office. The coaching staff is changing. This is all going to be worked around you and this team. And we're going to try to make the playoffs with a healthy team, with a good team. Training staff is going to be working overtime, etc., etc. Mark Cuban really likes them. So he's trying to sell them with everything. He's just like, look, this is where we're at. And this is, that's pretty much it. They just took care of business. They made Luka Doncic happy by getting all these guys. They didn't have a Pelicans-like season. They didn't add everyone like the Lakers, but they took care of business, and they got the job done. They strategized smartly, and they just did things the right way without fail. They knew when to end the Josh Richardson experiment, and that was a huge thing for that team. Point blank, period. Without a shadow down my mind. But that's what I have to say. I'd like to know your guys' thoughts on that. Remember, you can always hit me up on Heat 14 gmailcom That is our professional Gmail account where you just email Heat directly and we will answer you within 24 questions about topics you want us to talk about on questions that you have on challenging some of our opinions that we have which we love to get into those conversations with you because we've seen that's amazing. But that's also why we got social media. We pretty much got everything. I want to know what you guys think about the uh, talk that I had about the Pelicans and, of course, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, didn't, just what we talked about in the breaking news section with our off-season series, of course, but what we talked about the Warriors, the Cavaliers, the uh, situation there is coming with NBA players are turning into NBA coaches at a potential high level with the uh, breaking news the Pelicans are facing. Devastating news. Uh, the Curry situation. Uh, legal issues facing uh, Clutch Sports and New Orleans Noel. 
Then you just have all these different breaking news. And of course, we had the funny one, which is Patch Bro with fighting a bear and punching a man square in the face. You don't hear that every day, kids. You really don't. You really, really don't. So without further ado, you know where to find us. We're always here. Right? You can go to courtsideheat.com. That's where we get the uh, member-exclusive articles, the videos. I'm going to have the links down there. Just sign up. It only takes three minutes. We'll process it through Stripe. Stripe, boom, bada, bang, you are done. New uh, Newsletter comes out every single Sunday morning. Article comes out every single Sunday morning between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. Most likely 9 a.m. to keep consistent time. We'll email email you all this stuff. We're going to keep on perfecting that, tweaking that to make sure we are giving you guys the best possible experience since you are paying for this free dollar subscription a month, which is a very good deal. And of course, you can register for, I'm sorry, you can find us on social media by just going to uh, going to twitter.com slash courtsaheat and excuse me instagram.com slash courtsaheatnba facebook uh facebook.com slash courtsaheat tombo.com slash courtsaheat and and if you guys want to um go to google and type in courtsaheat one word courtsaheat one word and you'll be able to find all of our social media links, all of our podcast links, all of our store links, our spread shop uh, link, our spread shop link, one or two links. And that will take you to our clothing uh, clothing site. We'll also include that down in the description below on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and of course, SoundCloud. And without further ado... That is a wrap on this uh on this Wednesday morning on this Wednesday's edition podcast. We'll keep it coming on the site. We'll keep it going on social media. And we're going to be back here in the studio Thursday morning, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Don't miss it. We cannot wait. We'll keep all the stores full. We'll keep to keep the biggest things going. And yeah, we'll just take it from there. Thank you guys for listening. Always, please rate, like, and subscribe. Plus, if you feel the need, um, also send this to a family member or friend. It truly helps when we get more listeners. It helps us each and every day. Plus, it just helps us in general, keeps us going. And I think it works with the algorithms or something. I don't know how that works. All I know is, is that we are getting things done. We're just waiting for basketball to start back up. And I don't blame you guys for waiting for the preseason to begin. I even watch a preseason game. Heck, I even watched the Olympics. <sighs> I'm not a big Olympic guy, as you guys can tell. But I watch if I have to. But without further ado, that is all. I am Joshua Unix, and I am signing off. I'll see you guys again tomorrow morning. And what can I say besides go Phoenix?